The Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC Glendale Breakdown. Picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night Dark night It's a dark night What is up, you savages? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I am your host, Dan Tom, analyst whose work you can find at MMAJunkie.com and five days a week on MMA Junkie Radio. But on this here program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to be doing today, hopefully today, uh, hopefully tonight, hopefully before the fights, of course. Uh, trying to get this out to you. Uh, going to be an expedited version because, of course, I try to get it out at least a, a day before. Um, I was good about it last week, and, of course, like all, like all good deeds uh, are, you know, are often rewarded with, uh, yeah, especially in this game of MMA, you already know. Um, I will briefly recap it without trying to hit the points that have already been belabored. And again, this is going to be an expedited version because this is Friday morning, April, I almost said March, April 13th. <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah, a uh, betting article has yet to come out, though it is done and, and being sub- and, and been, been submitted, uh, I should say. It's, it's, it's in the pipe. And, uh, and yeah, yeah. Uh, I will be giving you uh, what will be on that article, but of course, as you know, for all the details, anything I miss, always go to MMAJunkie.com for that, and thank you for joining me here. So yeah, it was a crazy week last week, I was able to get it out early, and even had my man Jordan, Jordan Fiegelman, shout out, at Ordination Sports, drop the O on sports. Um, thank you for coming on, we're going to have him on again, of course, he, he is a regular uh, for some fantasy talk, but the fantasy talk got shot to shit, and so did the betting article. So instead of doing a betting article, which we were essentially pretty limited at that point, I was like, you know what? Let me break down a Khabib Nurmagomedov for like the 3.5th time. Yeah, I know. I kind of started on the Anthony Pettis one before that was official. I know. But it was crazy. I mean, <laughs> so I, my closest thing to a vacation, because, you know, Dan, Dan Tom hasn't been healthy, been, been going through some shit and, and whatnot. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to treat myself. This awesome card, UFC 223. Yeah, how can it not deliver? That's the fight I'm looking forward to most, Tony Khabib. And, God forbid that falls out again. God forbid it's cursed. There's a good card to fall back on. What could go wrong? I have all my content done early, and and sure enough, all the mix-ups, the fight, and and yeah, old, old damn time. And, and not, not playing the violin again. Shout out to all the all the media people who are just essentially just writing stuff and sweeping it into the trash. Um, and I'm like <laughs> the day like the Tony Ferguson thing. I, was, I already shared it on here with the uh, shout out to, to, to Trent Rensmith. But yeah, it was you know. I, Everybody, everybody that media week didn't get much sleep on the ground. Shout out to the you know the actual reporters like those guys, you know of course you know John Morgan uh, you know the man, but every, every, everybody on the ground man like th- th- that has that kind of a job. Like, I just cite John Morgan obviously he's my colleague and one of the guys who've been doing it for the longest time. But but that side of the media you know really appreciate those guys and what they do is was was one of my highlights actually uh, when I got into town. I, I didn't eat all day because I, I was trekking and, you know, was, you know, finishing breakdowns on the plane, which would eventually be scrapped in the trash because, you know, I, before I got on the plane, I, I talked to John and he's like, he was on the ground already, right? And he's like, yeah, man, it's going to, 
I dare say it's going to be an easy day. This is Thursday. It's going to be an easy day. We're going to have some beers. We're going to get some pizza. You know, show, show, show us around Brooklyn, Dan. Show us around your old hood. It's going to be great. Call, hit me up when you land. So I hit him up when they land, and before I go to hit him up, when, uh, I, before I email him that I land, I, I email him, and, and then I, after I send the email out, I hop on all Twitter, and it's just fucking chaos. Shit's getting thrown everywhere. It's the whole bus incident. Yeah, yeah, you know the story. So yeah, that was kind of funny. I ended up getting, you know, linking up with them, seeing old uh, Alex Davis, and uh, met Adam Hill uh, for the first time. He's a local Vegas guy. I saw Mike Bond, a cold coffee, and... Morgan, they're kind enough to have me on the road shows. It was ironic, you know. It was a room full of Vegas guys, and the person I saw most was the Canadian this year in 2018, which was Mike Bond. And uh, not only that, a long-time listener of the road show. Shout out to the road show. You know, I, I shout him out all the time. And and of course, I know know, know John from from back in the day. And we're both Vegas. We're both junkie guys. But this is my first time on the road show. Of course, I have to go across the East Coast to go to get on. But it was it was a pleasure. And uh, I got to kill two birds with one stone because my hungry ass, like I said, didn't eat all day. Uh, got to go and um, got to go feast uh, or got to go to Brooklyn, took a, uh, took a trip down to uh, old Bushwick, Roberta's. And it, it, I'm glad it was there, but like it was a bummer because like in Bushwick, like like Roberta's and, and like Momo's, which was down the street, my favorite sushi place, they're all there, but it, it it's like got popularized. You know those hole in the wall spots? Everybody has those, right? You, you know those hole in the wall spots? And they get popular and like it, it, you go in there and it's clean and they remodel it and it sounds great. Like why wouldn't you want a more cleaner place, Dan, or more spacious and a remodel and a maybe even a change of location? No, you want the same spot. You want everything the same, and that's where the best food comes. It sounds crazy, but people who know what I'm talking about know what the fuck I'm talking about. Whether you're from Hawaii, you're from the East Coast, you fucking know. You're from the South. You know those, those mom and pop joints, and, and that's what's up. Okay. And, uh, and yeah, so, like, both those spots were, like, expanded. Like, Roberta's had merch, and I was like, oh, what the fuck? What do they got merch for? I'm like, hmm, I kind of want a shirt, though. <laughs> I didn't get one, but, um, yeah, man. And then even, like, my favorite graffiti art was, like, all all removed, which I get. But, like, there is some shitty art replacing it, man. And maybe I'll post some on my Twitter later, but um, what I'm talking about. But there, there was some, some beautiful uh, Bushwick Real Big Art District right outside of Williamsburg, Hipster Central there, so... Dan Tom was in Nostalgia City. If you were following, um, following my tweets, I got to. I did, you know, again, I was it wasn't even though a lot of the the, the 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 trip that was supposed to be for pleasure as a fan ended up, you know, being posted in a hotel room awaiting fucking orders, uh, you know, to see what was going on on Friday. I, I essentially, you know, once they told the media on the ground to break for multiple lunches, essentially, maybe we'll have an answer. I was like, screw this. I'm going to go uh, meet up with uh, producer Danny from MMA Junkie Radio. Met him at the meatball shop. It was awesome, which was in Williamsburg, one of my favorite spots. Had um, whiskey floats, some meatballs, and uh, listener uh, at Mike Rochko, uh, and listener at uh, Junkie Nation, you know, MMA Junkie Radio listener, uh, Mike from Brooklyn, calls the show. Uh, met up with us. Big shouts there. Always great, you know, meeting people from Junkie Nation or wherever I go. Um, or you know, whenever they come into town, it's just kind of a crazy network, and I'm grateful to uh, to be a part of. So, so shouts to you, Mike. Um, and, and with all the craziness, of course, all the radio shows are reaching out to whoever, even nobody like myself. But uh, I got to give a shout out to the Mark Moses Show in Florida. Um, I don't have his official creds, but yeah, uh, uh, sports sports talk radio there, and it was, it was a real real nice guy, and. Um, and yeah, you know, it was was respectful, but most people like like anything they're just asking if it was real, you know. Um even uh, I went to a decal market uh 
I don't think Jose Youngs was there. Shout out to Jose Youngs, but uh, I know it was with uh, Jim Edwards. Shout out to Jim. And we were sitting down at Dan Hotel. was on a fucking eating spree. Oh, my God. I can give you the recap. But I essentially had a Jamaican beef patty because uh, Carla Duran, uh, Stitch Duran's uh, uh, daughter, shouts Carla. She, she That was her one <laughs> suggestion to me when I was going to New York. I'm like, I never had one, so I'll do it. So they had a Jamaican beef patty stand. And, of course, what goes better with Jamaican beef patty than oysters? Um, and sure enough, Jim was sitting down having a lobster roll, and I said, you know what? There's some oysters bars here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have some oysters, and um, we're sitting there eating, and there's this girl sitting next to us. She was kind enough, you know, just kind of striking up conversation, young girl. Anyway, she ends up being a a, 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 a DA or a um, work, she works at the DA office, but as a intern uh, to the DA um, lawyer, whatever you know the official title is. But they were essentially watching it, and they 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 thought the whole McGregor bus incident was fake, <laughs> and. Um, and once breaking it down, that you know, assuring her that it was real, they're like, "Yeah, well, then you know, just essentially saying kind of what I've already shared on the show, uh, MMA Junkie Radio. That is that it, it's just, um, yeah, like like you guys, I'm skeptical of the UFC punishment, but essentially just closing up my thoughts on that. It's probably going to be civil suits uh, that I imagine would be the biggest. And uh, hearing from actual lawyers confirm that that that, that is good for me. And uh, but what's not good for me is just the whole incident. I'm just in short, it's just bummer. Uh, I didn't take the Twitter. Eventually, like a lot of people did, but I don't blame people for doing so because I, I wanted to, man. A fan, just you know, a fan of Connor and just seeing seeing the skid and kind of calling it out in the earlier days, you know, the Nate, the Nate Diaz toward the end of the Nate Diaz run and uh, that New York post fight press conference. You know, you at that time you'd be called a hater if you questioned it, but he's only kind of proved that right, sadly. And uh, I hope he turns it around, man. I'll just leave it at that. But it was a real bummer, just what it cost to the fighters, uh, the media, the fans, everybody in the event. And yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I'm I'm a little pissed off just personally because yes, your boy still has not a had a healthy day in 2018, and nor a day off. Um, I, I just recalled that I actually did watch a fight on the one day I thought I didn't um, took a day off when I got cut open because the drugs were feeling. I was feeling so good on the drugs, I actually sat down and watched a fight. And then at which point, at the end of the fight, I realized these drugs are wearing off fast. Um, I better not work today, Dan. You better just fucking rest, you psycho. But yeah, so it's it's just very frustrating when you just want to just fucking enjoy something and. Uh, out of left field, that kind of shit comes happening, but that's that's the that's the insaneness, but also beauty of this game, right? And that's why also why it's the it's the best job in the world. At the end of the day, that's just to be able, able to say, even as crazy as it was, be able to say you're you know you take part on site or whatever any of that bullshit is. But uh, what we're witnessing is is, is is pretty cool, I guess. Yeah. Anyways, <clears throat> I know that was such a mixed message. Sorry, I'm trying to blow through this. Um, I'm sorry if I'm missing anybody. Oh, yeah, at Crisp Evolution, thanks for the advice. I'm sorry I wasn't able to meet up. Sorry for anybody who I'm missing and was not able to meet up with. I know I was able to meet up with uh, the the, uh, the DFS sniper. I got to see him at the show. It was nice seeing you, sir. Of course, uh, uh, Lynch, Jose Youngs, uh, mentioned before. Uh, Roadshow. Oh, yeah, I went to the Middle Easy meetup. Uh, I know there's a lot of meetups. I think, like, I don't, I don't know. Uh, so, so outlets had one. I think T Thomas had one. But I went to the Middle Easy one. And uh, it was awesome seeing everybody there, man. Uh, there's some people there that I didn't realize I didn't see. I feel like a dick, like uh, at Cabazel. I'm sorry if I'm not saying his name right, but uh, and there's probably a bunch of other people too. But uh, saw the clown kid in, in person. Finally, I know we meant to meet up uh, both in New York and, and in Vegas a couple times and missed each other. So it was nice, nice to see him. Uh, although it might have, he might have already started getting getting a little too deep. <laughs> By the time I saw him, it was still, he still had great times and good laughs. And uh, it was great meeting Scott Harris in person, man. Uh, 
really, really hit it off with that dude. That that, that dude's a real, real smart, smart cat, and uh, always uh, enjoyed his uh, his work and writing for sure. Uh, one of one of the one of the better better guys out there for sure. You need to follow. Um, uh, awesome dude in person too, um, for what that's worth. And uh, shouts to Scott. Um, yeah, sorry if I missed anybody, but let's get to the uh, the breakdown, shall we? Twelve minutes in, I'm gonna see if I can get this in. 22 minutes and see if we can be be done. I'm going to pull up lines now, but the card is UFC Glendale, Arizona, UFC on Fox 29. It's a giant fight pass card. It's like six deep, so as for usual, we're going to start from bottom to top. I'm going to blow through these rather quickly, so I apologize if it's not in as usual detail. But, um, by the way, hit me up on Twitter, at DanTomMMA, and, and any any suggestions as far as, you know, uh, things you like to see on the show within reason. Understand that you know, you know. Hey, hey, asshole! Just get it out at least a day before. I get that. You're right. Totally, I'm totally open for criticism. Totally deserve it of criticism. But at the same time, be reasonable. I, I do. I don't joke. I do have no social life, and most of my personal relationships, if not all, have fallen apart. So I, so I don't have a lot of time, uh, and including my health and and well-being. But you know, so I again. I, I, I do work hard. I don't, don't have a lot of time to give, but I'm always open to suggest. I'm always trying to improve. And yes, I am trying to get these things earlier. I'm not trying to be all, all excuses aside, um, jokingly, trying to get these these things out earlier. All right, lines, lines, lines. Where have you gone? There we go. All right, first up, uh, Luke Sanders uh, versus Patrick Williams. Um, yeah, man. I, Luke Sanders should definitely be the favorite. I don't know if he should be as big of a favorite as he is, which is currently being listed at minus 465, plus 370. Um, you know, Luke Sanders got some power, some good hooks. Good, You know, he, he, he looked like he's good riding and transitioning, but obviously got too comfortable riding and transitioning. Put his leg in between Yuri's leg, which is a no-no for leg lock people. Oh, I hear you, A20. Which is a, a no-no for, low lock, uh, for leg lock people. Uh, know that, and he got, yes, leg locked. Um, and then, of course, by Andre Sukumtat, who, uh, you know, <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll gets a lot of shit, especially after his last performance. Um, you know, I, I will say for, for what he is good at, he, he is good at and underrated in, which is his power and landing those type of counter shots. And that's what he did. So take it for what you will. This, this should be a spot where Luke Sanders bounces back, but I'm not playing it. Um, I, I, I got to imagine it's a finish. So I, I guess I don't. I, I don't hate anybody who's trying to make room for that on, on their roster, but I stayed away. You know, Patrick Williams will get to Alejandro Perez next, but he's one of the few guys to beat that guy, which says something, which is, again, we'll get to him next, and, I'll, and that'll kind of explain why that statement is what it is. But uh, Pat Williams, also 36-year-old Bantamweight, you know, and he, he gasses, and, and yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. But all right, um, that's not on the avoid list, but this next one isn't, but it, it probably should be. Maybe not, actually. I, I'll, I'll probably play it personally, but I couldn't recommend it. I'll play it personally because you, you all know I, Alejandro Perez, man. I'm sure he's a nice guy, uh, but my goodness, he's one of the most frustrating fighters to watch. Just forget that my, I've been on the wrong side of playing him, which there's a lot of bias, so please take that in for what I'm going to say because I, I, I can admit that. But my goodness, even that aside, like he's one of those fighters you just watch like, what, what exactly are you – Okay, you could do that. You could do this. Okay, all right. Well, you're kicking really hard, like you mean it. Okay, you hurt that guy's leg. All right, like, bravo. You deserve that. That's good. I'm not taking that away. But really, what are you good at? What are we doing here? Are we just 
circling? Are we just throwing nothing? Are we just dressing windows? Oh, there's a takedown. Keep the... All right. Well, you know, and it's it's enough window dressing because you know with the way the stats are, he's 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 he's, he's clocking, you know, uh, uh, way more strike outputs for minutes than most most of the guys he's matched up with, and he's winning rounds, right? Because we as we know, offense meaningless or not can can um, can win you rounds. Sadly, so just very frustrating. But I think the the line is right. He should be a slight dog to Matthew Lopez, who's really underrated. You know, he's coming off a a real tough loss, obviously, but uh, and, and he was bound to get taxed, you know, um, sometime on the feet as well as, you know, we saw him get taxed on the ground. And no shame. I mean, he was doing well against, you know, um, Honey, I other fight I'm referencing there. But uh, Lopez, real underrated, uh, underrated guy, kind of, I, I got to believe, is, is a late bloomer if he doesn't, like, go too far down the drain. In other words, like, if he doesn't get finished by a guy like Alejandro Perez, that'll be a big tail, tail sign where, okay, any kind of hope and optimism, we got to temper that severely now with Matthew Lopez. But I'm not really to get up, uh, give up on him. I like his, I like his, his scramble heavy, uh, willing to put himself in bad position style as, as bad as that can be. Um, when those guys get really good, they become really good, difficult to deal with. They start making better decisions, and he's got that transitionary game, uh, with that high volume uh, kickboxing under Trevor Whitman, uh, who he's been sticking with. So I got to imagine we're going to see some improvements here. Uh, it took some time since his last fight, or a decent amount, I guess. And um, yeah, I, I got I got Matthew Lopez here. All right, next fight: Arjan Buller minus three seventy versus Adam Weiserich. I can see why he's the favorite. I don't think he should be that bit that bit that favorite though. A uh, lot of upside to Bullard, but we still need to see it because there's not even outside of the UFC as far as uh, sample size of him, right? And we saw even in a dominant fight. Granted, it was excited. He maybe thought he was going to get the finish. He had the Canadian crowd behind him as a debut. Totally excusable, not condemnable by any means, but he still got tired. Still something to watch for. Um, and his first fight, you know, as far as the guy he fought, was really no better. Uh, even though Luis Renrique is more upside than Anthony uh, Sleep Train Hamilton. But, uh, uh, you know, all due respects, Freight Train. But, uh, but you know, uh, Luis Renrique, you know, at, at least up to that point, really has just been a burst and blow type of dude, right? And and that was really about it. And uh, he, the burst and blow guy was outlasting um, the dominant uh, prospect. So you know, I mean, again, that's that that might be unfair, but I'm just saying it's all in perspective, right? Uh, so I, I do have Arjun Buller to win. I'm really excited about the guy. I like the guy. He's that like Canadian like uh, Canadian attitude. Where the, the reason why I love Canadians, they all, especially certain ones like uh, they, <laughs> I don't know, like. This uh, why like Ramdeen. When I met John Ramdeen, came off this way too, or just like. I've had just so many buddies like this that I could reference, but I'm just going to reference Ramdeen because it's more of a general MMA lexicon name. But they just have that welcoming personality, you know, and, and uh, I love it, man. I love it. That's why they're some of the most friendliest people in the world. So aside from his skill set, which I do like as well, uh, I can't help but root for a guy like Arjun Buller. That said, um, Adam Wieserick, I, I was kind of not talking this guy up, but saying he was underrated, especially as a dog spot to, to Hamilton. And even though it's arguable that he won that fight, um, you know, depending on who you ask and who's judging it, right? Uh, I wouldn't have been mad either way, I guess, to be honest. But um, uh, I, though I was biased because I was playing Weezerick, but you know, you look at his regional fights, which again, they're not against high-level comp, but there's more to look at than um, Buller, and uh, the, you know, more well-rounded, both on the feet and on the floor. Um, kind of almost has that Stefan. 
I don't like to say Stefan Struve, but Dutch kickboxing like, but more Stefan Struve as far as the grappling when he looks to take backs and kind of uses guard and uses really rangy. You know, he's 6'5". He's going to be have a, have a, have a long uh, have some range. So I don't think he's going to be easy to an easy out for Bilar. But if there's going to be an upset, you want to kind of play it in the heavyweight division, especially guys wins by our majority, if not all by finish. So that's why Adam Rizarek is on my uh, fantasy list. All right, next fight, Diego Lima, minus 115. Yushin Okami, minus 105. This is a fight to avoid. Um, Diego Lima, I'm going to keep rooting for this guy, but just inconsistent performances, fights, outcomes, competition, all these kind of ways you want to kind of cut it down. And I'm real high on his brother, but, man, you know, it's it's, it's a difference between Douglas and Diego. I don't know if, uh, you know... It's like a meta, the chins are like a metaphor of twins with Schwarzenegger and, and, and Danny DeVito. You got all the good stuff. I'm the shit that's left over. You know, like they just took it, like Douglas just took it out on him and from brawling sessions as a kid to training sessions growing up. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. But, um, but man, yeah, it's tough. I, I'm picking Diego. That's sad. I'm picking Diego over Yushin, who somehow makes welterweight. I'm staying away. Next on an avoid list, Shayna Dobson versus Lauren Mueller. Not much to say here. Um, I, I like Lauren Mueller's pressure, but again, she was kind of inconsistent, kind of gets excited, so it was kind of taking breaks, whereas Dobson, even though you know she got TKO'd by... Uh, you know, not not a big sample size, not the best experience, and then you know she does fight a named person like Roxanne, gets TKO'd, but yeah, that's in the house. That was a big experience difference. That was the best Roxanne... Uh, who is best suited for that kind of environment, um, et cetera, et cetera. You see how the fighter is more, and you saw more composing, adoption, really putting things together, showing improvements, and she's got some pop. She's got that real athletic pop that you can't make up for. Now, Laura Mueller looks like she can take it and has that Diego Sanchez intensity and output, which is going to win her fights and could very well win her this fight. But I also see her taking a lot of damage, whether it's on the legal leg or counter right hands of the chin. Shane Dobson. Not because she's black. Reminds me of Tyrion Ware. I really like that boxing style, um, that steady output, and and kind of that uh, f- you know um, fights beyond her years kind of thing. Um, I mean, which kind of a strong statement for her, but that that's 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 one for more Ware. Sorry, I'm looking at my phone here while I'm talking. It's very rude. Um, all right, next fight: uh, Dan Moret versus Gilbert Burns. Is this one on the avoid list? Mm, no. Nah. But I'm I'm staying away because the price is inflated, so the inflated price could have got it on there. But yeah, Gilbert Burns should be a big favorite. Dan Moret, lanky southpaw from Minnesota martial arts. I, I guess he trained under, under uh, Greg Nelson, which is uh, very respectable. Now trains under uh, MMA Lab out there in Arizona. Uh, a lot of MMA Lab, a lot of Arizona people. Obviously going to be on this card. Takes place in Arizona. But uh, Moret, yeah, I mean serviceable southpaw, but you know not the best defense. Tall, doesn't protect his hips nor his chin the best. Um, his technique has gotten tighter, but still a little bit wide for my liking. Gilbert Burns, his technique has gotten tighter, even though he's kind of been hot and cold, depending. This is weird whether it's his shape, his demeanor, or his performances, which kind of makes me not trust him. But his technique has gotten better, and I think he proved that against Jason Sago, who, you know, not not a barn burner of a fighter, but definitely um, under underrated for what he was, for what that's worth. And uh, it just hit that beautiful uh, counter over the jab. Um, and yeah, Dan Moret mainly gets it done by submission. Obviously, that's Gilbert Burns' wheelhouse, multiple-time jiu-jitsu world champion. He trains a lot of MMA fighters and fights MMA, so he has very translatable jiu-jitsu in case you haven't seen him fight. So he should win that fight. All right, Christoph Yoko versus Brad Tavares on the avoid list because it's going to be a close fight for one and two. I'm biased. Y'all know uh, you know, y'all know, it's, it's a Hawaiian from Extreme Couture. I know Brad. He's, he's also a friend of the show. There's way too many biases in there. Um, but... Uh, 
this one could be very clinch-heavy. I think Brad Tavares was very under... Both guys were very underrated there. Christoph Yoko proved he was underrated there against Talos Lages. But Brad Tavares, also very underrated there. It's just not impressive, right? Yeah. You know, it, it 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 almost looks like a, you could you could accuse Brad of a wall install if I'm if I'm being if I'm trying to be critical of 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 my friend here, um, but I don't see it that way obviously. But I'm just I'm 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 obviously stating what we what we can see and what we can translate and sympathizing with what you might see and what you might translate obviously. So that's all I'm saying here. But he is this is a strong and sturdy base. I don't see him being taken down. I see him being able to dictate that. It's just. The thing with Brad, whether it's on the feet or in the clinch, he can generate powerful offense and has, and he's hurt guys in both instances in, in his recent run of decisions even. It's just pressing that gas and, 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 and you know, his pace is steady. Um, I think he's improved that, you know. I mean, you know, whether he's dealing with an injury or something else, maybe there might have been a performance or rounds or showed here or there. But really, you know, he, he's been on a quiet little run here. And uh, I think he continues it. So, but that's on the avoid list for obvious reasons. All right, uh, Wilson Hayes uh, minus one thirty. John Moraga. This almost made my avoid list, but it's just more me just being torn on it because I like I like Wilson Hayes. Maybe this little bias here because I've actually met and rolled with a guy where he tossed me around like a pizza chef tossing a pizza dough up in the air. That's how he was doing with his X guard. I'm like fucking insane. It's a little one twenty five guy, and um, you know. It's, Got the southpaw pressure, and even though he's not a, not getting finishes on the feet, he's got the good liver kick and the check right hook. You know, don't leave home without it as a southpaw, but the, the striking on the feet has not been friendly for Wilson Hayes. Now, granted, Demetrius Johnson and a really improved world-beating Henry Cejudo, but still, you can't like that, especially against an opportunistic guy who's known for that counter right hand. In Moraga, who is another guy, man, Alejandro Perez and John Moraga, you want to talk about, like, I can I, I I can never pin down like a worse bet whenever I see those things. I, though I'm, I'm always happy to come clean at the time, reflect. I even actually I did post one. Actually, it was my first my first bet was probably my worst bet. And I posted that that actually gained traction. Anderson Silva versus Forrest Griffin betting Forrest Griffin. So I've no I actually have no issue in that. But like, what I will say is the two guys that I've been on the wrong side against the most are on this card. Alejandro Perez for just betting against him for the reasons I said of just being. Straight up betting against him. Moraga a little different. Moraga, I've been on the wrong side where I bet on him on the wrong times and I bet against him at the wrong times. So I'm just fucking cursed when it comes to that. And so part of me wanted to lean John Moraga for that reason, but you know I'm gonna stick with I'm gonna stick with I'm gonna stick with, uh, with w- w- Willie Hayes there. I'm gonna stick with Willie Hayes. All right, next fight: Ricky Rainey plus one sixty, Muslim Salikov minus one eighty five. Uh, shout out to Lance Fischel who on Twitter uh, when this fight was announced that he knew Ricky Rainey, and I asked. Um, Official, what do you, what do you, because uh, I, it doesn't say that he wrestled or anything, but I'm, I'm, I'm maybe, I'm assuming it was because Fischl always talks about wrestling. But, um, MMA Gambler, last official of the MMA analysis, by the way. Uh, in case y'all know what I'm talking about. Uh, I don't even know if he's in part of that podcast, is he? <laughs> anyway, shouts to Lance. But, uh, I asked him what, what Ricky Rainey what, ranked on the old forearm scale, and, uh, Lance said, not, not good, not good for what that's worth. But uh, Ricky Rainey, in case you don't know, uh, had a stint in Bellator. Not a stint. I mean, like six fights there. Um, Probably most notably for his loss since Michael Page. Where I I remember watching that one live, like May 2014, where just he was doing the no-look stuff. It was probably one of Page's more impressive performances, aside from the obvious, you know, knee of of Cyborg there. 
But uh, as far as like just certain things he was doing, maybe not for a lot of people, but just 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 for maybe just for me, where I, where I was at at that time, just watching that, like oh, I could, not as a whole, but there were just certain things that he did, like certain snippets of that matchup that just resonated strongly with me. If that makes sense. Um, but anyways, uh, Ricky Rainey, just a you know, pressure fighter, comes forward, prodding off the jab, can throw kicks, can throw combinations, does well against the fence. That's where his grappling press- pressure will usually come into play. That's when he'll usually kind of put his punches together between that inner black octagon lines and the fence kind of thing, even though that, that's not really really there in his, his fights in Bellator, but you know what I'm saying as far as a visual, uh, where he works best. Um, but uh, Muslim Salikov... Even if he is playing on the outside and not pressuring when he's feeling in stride, he is a good steerer. He steers guys so well the way he wants. Um, and uh, to hit his spinning back kicks to wheel kicks, variating them, counter crosses, off-time off time, uh, cross leads, off-time jabs and up jabs just to keep his opponent honest. And he, cu- he mixes it in with his, his feints and his footwork pretty well. Um, because, again, just very underrated footwork. Because if you're going to steer, you, you better have good footwork if you're going to steer somebody because you're – you're using yours to dictate theirs, and it's a it's a it's a it's it's a science that I love to watch. Um, and Solikov, I think he just disappointed so much from the odds makers to the hype, and you know, um, I, I was on him myself. I mean, uh, was I surprised what I saw? No, but but you know, was I was I completely you know 110 percent? Fuck, this is the next coming. Of no, no, but yeah, man, I was on. Everybody was on him, so I think a lot of that resonated. I guess is what I'm trying to say. But when you actually go back and look at the fight, he didn't make as bad as an account for himself as I initially thought with, with Alex Garcia, who, you know, just looks rejuvenated in many ways. Um, but anyways, uh, but yeah, I think Salikov can get this done here. Um, I'm not high on it. I'm staying, I'm staying away. And I think it is. on a, No, it's not. But uh, play that one at your own risk. All right. Tim Bosch, plus 225. Antonio Carlos Jr., minus 265. This seems like it should be parlay fodder, but... I, this this also seems like you know we're we're, we're Antonio Carlos Jr. can drop the ball now. This is the guy who is like faded Antonio Carlos Jr. probably like two out of the four last times he's fought. So take that for what you will. You could say that there might be a built-in weird thing I have where I'm always looking for that angle on this guy, even though even though I should be sympathetic because he looks like a mixed martial analyst. I host Mike Stith. Shout out Mike. Um, MixedMartialAnalyst.com, host of this podcast. You can find this podcast on smartphone-friendly players. In case you're not listening on the iTunes. All right. Uh, Tim Bosch, though, you know, he's still doing his shit and hunting and shooting and eating shit ton of meat, uh, and training with, uh, <laughs> with the old fighting Irish, uh, Marcus Davis up there, Irish MMA. Um, but you know, at this age, it's probably good that he takes his time off. I don't think it's a bad thing when you're at this age, probably good. Um, but at the same time, stylistically, this is still a bad stylistic matchup for Bosch. You have a, a sizable long guy who's good at top game, can take you down against the fence and uh, has a wicked good submission game. And that's been Bosch's kind of kryptonite dating back from Phil Davis to Jacare to all these other guys, right? Um, and uh, so, you know, you can see that there. But as we saw with uh, Dan Kelly and, you know, being that striking on paper as Carlos Jr.'s, even though he's improving at American Top Team, he's improving each time out on paper, his less uh, strongest spot. Yeah, you can see Tim Bosch also coming away with the upset there, right? So, um I'm going to stay away. I'll probably sprinkle on Bosch for shits and giggles because I'm no nostalgic. Especially when I talk about David Heath or even in his loss to Matt Hamill at UFC Fight Night 13, the old infamous rape choke by Joe Rogan. A little trivia for you kiddos. Nice and appropriate. But that'll close off the prelims. Uh, I'm not going to break because I don't want to edit, but I'm going to pause because I do have to use the little boy's room.
Alright, and we're back. So now we're on the main card. Ooh, Courtney Casey minus 130, Michelle Waterson plus 110. Um, I think the line's pretty much right. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it was it's that close or would even be closer. Um, because uh, well, even maybe if it's going to get any closer than that because Waterson's name value. But if you've been watching, you know, Waterson's been fighting for a while. And her second resurgence, um, I, I think we, we've seen most of it. I mean, she's improved in the wrestling. But... Taking down Tisha Torres, all could be impressive. You could argue Tisha Torres, you know, was giving up takedowns. Maybe she she she, she shouldn't have and wouldn't have in the past. And regardless of Tisha's performance, it's a completely different style, uh, frame and style of uh, of a fighter. So it's kind of hard to use that sample size as a comparison. But to her credit, she has improved her wrestling, and she should be the better wrestler than Casey. But I see Casey's submissions, and more importantly, her transitions being too much. You know, Casey's one of those few few from the bottom. She she can she can. FSU, she could fuck shit up, and um, you know, from her up kicks to uh, to her sweeps, um, submissions, that corner lock she hit. I, I love the corner lock. That's where you essentially like you do a high guard, but one of uh, it looks like you're going over the shoulder for a triangle, but you get stuck halfway there. But what it does is it makes them think about the triangle, so they'll or it, it makes them think about the triangle, and they'll either get the arm bar or that corner lock will already put the arm into arm bar leverage well that'll be on their radar and they'll want to pull their arm out when they pull their arm out since that leg is already cheated over the shoulder you're in triangle so you're essentially giving them a do or die with a triangle arm bar threat and it's called a corner lock it's great you don't need an interweaving like a shoulder pin like i like or you don't need any flexibility or crazy grips like a rubber guard it's, it's a very very conservative and effective style of high guard and uh i can see that doing do, doing wonders for her here um and, you know, Watterson's got a good guard herself, but she'll go up for arm bars and, and, and she'll use it when she misses. She'll use it to try to get up, but then she ends up getting her back taken. I think she's gotten, like, her back taken in, like, three out of five, or maybe even four out of her five of her last fights or so. Um, but I think three out of five is fair to say. And it, it does happen. And, and just seeing her fend off submissions in general is not something as unaccustomed to Watterson, which is not good against someone like Casey. And then on the feet, yes, I think it's going to be reach. Casey's improved on her feints and footwork. Um, to where she used to just wait and kind of counter by just, she would either blitz or counter in the sense of she would wait, she would draw her opponent's counter. And as soon as her opponent would fire, she would follow back the strike with actions and just kind of blitz behind it. Now she's a little better at kind of moving and fainting and, and throwing a little pawing stuff out there and getting, drawing those things better and therefore being in better position to work off what gets drawn out. So it's it's uh, really interesting to see these little quiet growth. This is and it's crazy because most all our fights were like on short notice except for our last fight, and that was just a weird fight uh, in general between both girls, Felice Herrig and Courtney Casey. And then at the end, it got really um, uh, at the end of the second round, something happens to her eye and gets swollen. And uh, I'm not taking anything away from Felice. Let's just say it was a punch for argument's sake, just to not take credit for Felice. But still, something was clearly wrong with her eye. Then. She gets bloodied up in the third and starts flicking boogers. How about Felice, man? She had shit flung on her, uh, you know, shit on her. Got, she got shit on. Um, she had blood boogers flung on her. And she was almost in the bus. No, no, she wasn't in the bus with the McGregor thing. But, uh, man, yeah, I was going to say Felice, man. What a soldier there. But, uh, yeah, uh, Courtney Casey uh, getting all Diaz. That was a weird, that was a weird kind of fight for her. But I see her pace and pressure essentially making the difference here. So I played her. Uh, minus 131 unit. Um, 
also have her on the fantasy team. By the way, I took John Moraga because he was a dog, and if he does win, he's going to win that way. Uh, he's not going to be, I don't feel it was going to be heavily owned. Neither is Adam Wieserich. Um And Carlos Jr., um, I took on fantasy, actually. So, yeah, because he's probably going to get the finish, even though I just said I'm probably going to play both, which I probably will cash-wise just for the shit of it. There we go. Um, all right, uh, Marvin Vittori plus two twenty-five, Israel Adesanya minus two sixty-five. I agree with uh, Adesanya being the favorite, but this is this is a tricky one. You know, I laid in my breakdown. I'm going to go fast here, but you know, essentially we've seen durable southpaws who can pressure uh, ruin, uh, not ruin, you know, ruin, but you know, uh, you know, stymie the, the 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 hype of a striking threat from you know Rick Story to Tiago Alves back in the day to even um, you know I know I was referencing but Brian Barbarie and a Sage Northcutt like we've seen all these different variations not to compare Adesanya to either of those two I'm talking about the dynamic of the matchup Adesanya is clearly his own fighter um, and and earns his uh, nickname whether you like it or not of the style bender really love his style go into pretty decent detail about it in the breakdown if you want to read on that at MMAJunkie.com but um, he, he, I really like it because it's very conservative. It's very smart. He's working off feints and reads, and and and, it's, and he just moves through space so seamlessly. It's just it's really something to watch. And when he just flashes with a purpose, his question mark kicks from either side, either stance, either foot, just amazing. So sneaky, so fast. Um, I do see him getting an attritive second round stoppage. But again, Vittori, durable southpaw. He's he's naturally gonna be hittable by his pressure. Uh, that said, it's still defense. There's much to be desired which is the problem, and his wrestling, when going back to look at it, most of his, his takedowns are off of the caught kicks. He's not really completing a lot of his takedowns. So until I see that clear step in his wrestling, I could not pick Vittori here, essentially. That's what was stopping me. It was just the wrestling and the defense and the striking defense. It, they, weren't, they weren't to my liking, despite Vittori having the intangibles of the heart, toughness, power, style, um, he's live, okay? He's live. I'm not saying he's not. Believe me, I, I really tried my best to, to pay Vittori respect despite picking against him in my breakdown, but the pick is Adesanya. Um, I stayed away from it and, and, and think it's think think it could be a good fight to fade um, in, uh, in DraftKings. I think uh, you're going to have a few contrarians on Vittori, but you're going to have a lot of masses trying to make room for Adesanya. So I'll fade it completely and take some of the other options. Uh, all right. Oliveira minus two twenty, Carlos Condit plus one eighty. Um, again, break this one more in depth. Alex Oliveira coming in this fight short notice, but not his first short notice fight. Carlos Condit, huge fan, I love him. I feel like you're guilty picking against him, but essentially, uh, I think that he's not the same. A and and B, this is a tough stylistic matchup, even if he was was close to the same, um, because Oliveira is a heavy heavy puncher and a heavier puncher than him. Uh, at boxing range, more dangerous than him at boxing range, but can move in and out um, of boxing range just as fast, if not faster, because that, that's something of, of, of that is an attribute of Oliveira. And yes, he, though, should never probably have been a lightweight, is a lighter weight guy uh, for what it's worth, but lengthwise, he will not be that far. Believe me, he will not be that far from Condit. And Condit, whose strength is in the clinch, will so is Oliveira's from his wrist pins and his strikes and his uppercuts to his knees and elbows, except. Oliveira, especially more of late, loves the body lock where he's freaking freakishly retard strong from and will just body lock dudes down. Um, and that is Carlos Condit's kryptonite, even when he was in his prime. Um, and it still is his kryptonite, even to guys like Neil Magny, who granted Neil Magny, underrated wrestler, underrated body lock, strong from there. I'm not saying he's not, but I'm just saying 
it's still a problem for Carlos Condit. So Carlos Condit is not the same. Um, then I think Alex Oliveira is going to probably get a stoppage by the second end of the second round, which is what I said in my breakdown. And Alex Oliveira, if not, will present time to finish. Uh, if Carlos Condit is about three quarters the same, he should be able to finish Alex Oliveira, who will present him targets and possibly fade if he fails to finish. So either way, I don't see this going the distance, which is why I played the under two and a half at plus one fifty five. That is the other lone play uh, for a half unit. Um, and uh, and yeah, and uh, did I? Oh, and Alex Oliveira for that reason because of the takedowns, the propensity to finish, and work rate. Um, he's, he makes the he makes the fantasy team. All right, Justin Gaethje plus one fifteen, Dustin Poirier minus one thirty five. I know I used this analogy before for Eddie Alvarez versus Gaethje, but it's so true. I had to use it again. This is like MMA's version of a high speed car chase where two men are gonna get in their vehicles and see which one falls the fuck apart first before. Hopefully, one of them can cross the finish line before that happens. Thanks, Ben. Your guess is as good as mine <laughs> and, uh, on, on this, but I uh, know I break it down in depth. Um, Gaethje, uh, you know, I think his leg kicks are going to be a factor. Even though he's facing a southpaw, it's not a problem when he faces southpaws, you know, um, even though he doesn't face many, from Dan Lozon back in the WSOF to... to uh, Michael Johnson, who I picked, who I picked to beat him, and again, Gaethje is another one of those guys that's hard to pick, man. Uh, at least the last two fights, I've been on the wrong side, that's for sure. And I feel bad because I really like him, and <laughs> and now he's training under under my old coach Neil Melanson, which is another thing to look for in this fight. If he does use his wrestling, I know he said he's not. I don't bank on him too. He's way too emotional too. But for what it's worth, he he is he is training with a good catch wrestling coach, and. That also plays a bias in my heart. So maybe old Dan Tom is overcorrecting the steering wheel and going toward Dustin Poirier. Either way, they both seem like guys that will hit your fucking guts if you pick against them. So fuck either way. But I picked Dustin Poirier here. I really do respect the run he's on. I think he's really close. Um, you know, I don't know about this dropping big fights thing. I hear people say that. Then I hear Dustin say it just as much as I hear people say it, which is weird. So it's like maybe there's something there. But when you look at it, you're like, oh. Now he got caught by McGregor, and he got emotional, and McGregor was on his run, and it's a southpaw for southpaw matchup, which is kind of troublesome for Poirier and many southpaws. That's uh, that's kind of respectable there. Uh, oh, another southpaw for southpaw matchup, and he ate like the perf- most perfect check hook in the game, and this is MMA, and that stuff happens against Michael Johnson. Okay, I mean, I was on Poirier. I was completely wrong, uh, and I even said because uh, Michael Johnson doesn't have a check right hook, and he brings it to that fight. That was just freakish, right? Okay. Cool. All right, I'll, I'll give it to him. It's it sucks. It doesn't look the greatest, but it's it's MMA, and that's that makes sense actually. So when you really look at the losses, they're not they're not that bad. And he's been through adversity, the broken nose, and the you almost got to see him talk himself to that Joe Duffy fight where he sees the broken nose and blood, and he makes a decision to get excited for it, and he goes woo, and he slaps the cage. And that to me was a turning point for Dustin Poirier because I still had the susceptibilities that many still have right now as far as that he drops big fights thing. I think he made he, I think he, he turned a lot of it around there. Um, and uh, and he's been on a, really on on, on on a run since, minus again the aforementioned Michael Johnson fight. Since then, uh, his boxing is awesome. He shifts from both stances. Um, defense is still a problem, and it will still be hittable by nature of his aggression. But his defense is better than Gaethje's, who kind of just like you know, like a, as I would say in the breakdown, like a phalanx, like 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 a Spartan, like a Spartan, Spartan and a phalanx relying on his shield. He relies on that double forearm guard and then counters off of there. And by the way, speaking of guys like Connor and Gaethje, those are my favorite things in breakdowns. Not getting things right, but describing the spirit of a fighter, but like saying something like they're the, like you know describing Gaethje as a Spartan, like the the, the 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 way he counters, and then him after the Michael Johnson fight, you know, doing the 
I want to find, you know, quoting 300, you know, or um, saying, you know, comparing McGregor's, you know, left cross to, are you done, Itch? Comparing McGregor's left cross to a 1930s baseball pitcher, and then he's uh, does the thing to Eddie Alvarez and puts the hand behind the back like he's about to pitch a ball. Little shit like that always kind of gets me, where it's just like you just you feel like you know you just tune in for a second to something. Again, it has nothing to do with picks or any of that bullshit or plays. Just those little moments where you just kind of feel like tuned in and you're watching in awe what a fighter does amazing like. And uh, I, I am in awe of Gaethje, and I could see him win. I could see the leg kicks being a factor here, like it was for Poirier against Miller, but. Uh, I could also see Poirier surprising with wrestling pressure, though I don't see him taking down Gaethje, but kind of mixing things up. Also, just that counter-left cross that was there. Also, the right hook is one of uh, Poirier's best punches. Um, it's 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 so tough. I mean, these guys... I know I'm missing uh, some crucial details here that are escaping me, but these guys just have so many puzzle pieces that fit the other guy's game. It's just... It's tough. It's tough. And, and Poirier, especially with the Alvarez fight, showing that he can counter like that, that's just... That really spoke. That really kind of sold me. Um, that Alvarez fight, not, not not because of the MMA math stuff, by the way, because um, and, and again, it's still kind of a controversial outcome with Poirier and Alvarez. But I think I think Dustin's going to win here, and it's going to put him in a position where he'll probably have to run it back with uh, Alvarez for a number one contender or some shit, or who knows, who knows with that fucking division. But I got Poirier. It's reluctant. It's going to be a fun fight. Good luck if you're playing any side, the dog or otherwise. Um, rate us, review us on iTunes, Amazon, and. On it, click through banners just to review the fantasy. Antonio Carlos Jr., Alex Oliveira, Dustin Poirier, Courtney Casey, John Moraga, Adam Wieser at 49,300. Props, Condit Oliveira under two and a half rounds, plus 155 for half unit. Straight play, just one. Courtney Casey, minus 130, one unit. Avoid Yutko Tavares, avoid Limo Kami, avoid Dobson Mueller, avoid Bueller Wieserich, avoid. Most of the shit on this card, betting-wise, just enjoy it. Crack one, do whatever you're going to do. Crack one for your boy here. I don't know if I'm going to be drinking or not, but uh, if you do, do it safely. If you bet, do it responsibly. And always protect your neck.